Real Presence Live. It's this really powerful sense of, okay, you're seen, you're known, you're missed if you're not here. Local. It's that good crop of corn or beans or wheat or whatever it is that you do that, you know, you grow it, you grow it to the Lord, and if it doesn't come about, you just have to be patient and say, well, there's always next year. Engaging. Evangelization is the fruit of the love of God being poured into the hearts of Jesus' friends. Live. This is our charism, to be witnesses of Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist. Well, welcome to Real Presence Live. I'm Deacon Dan Goshi. We've got Father Brian Cuyava here as well, broadcasting from St. Philip's Church in Bemidji. It's good to work with you again, Father. You bet, Deacon Dan. Good morning to you. I see you still haven't raised enough money in the collections to buy socks. No, no, no. no yes. we're, we're holding out for sock season as is, is that long thing? as we possibly is that can. Th- oh, okay. All right. Good. Yeah. But there is a season for it's it. It's coming up okay. very soon, all right. unfortunately. All right. Very good. It's a sad time. Good to be here. This is our second time together. You, you do this all the time. Yeah, I I don't know about all the time, yeah, but a but couple other times, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Compared to working with me, the others are pretty good, huh? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Thanks. Great. <laughs> so pleased to be here. Do oh, you want to start us out with a prayer, Father? I'd be happy all to. Right. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, and guide our conversations. We thank you, Lord God, for all the ways that you uh, speak your love to us and the way that you show uh your abiding presence to us through signs and through the encouragement of people around us. We thank you above all for the salvation that you have gained for us through your son Jesus and his death and resurrection from the cross. We offer this time to you in response to the salvation that we have received, that we continue to uh, grow and allow to process within us. We offer this to you and we pray that uh, you would strike the hearts of our listeners, that you would guide our conversations so that we may speak always of your glory and of your goodness. Bless our guests that we'll have with us uh, this hour. Bless uh, Deacon Dan and myself so that we may be a window for others to hear your voice. We pray all of this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. It's good to be here. I love the fact that uh, people keep trying to shut the door in this uh, in this conference room or whatever it is we're sitting in here at uh, at St. Philip's um, because there's a, a school uh, in session here that's uh, uh, affiliated with the parish and the kids are walking by and making noise and I love to hear that. It's kind of neat. That's great. Get to greet them every morning when they walk in mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I've just been loving that and playing in the gym with them and all kinds of good things. Very good. Yeah, it's a good time. Very good. All right, we need a preview of our show. Uh, do we throw this back to, is it Eli or is it Aaron this it's morning? Eli, it's Eli. Right on. Eli, tell us what we got going on. Oh, thanks, Father. I've only been talking to you for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Come on, it's supposed to seem natural. We, we, know, we know about his pet fish, the yeah. meta demise. We know a lot of things. We just don't know it's Eli. Okay. Right. <laughs> well, here's what's coming up on this morning's show. When it comes to the Eucharist, Ashley Herdering's life has been transformed. She'll share what the Eucharist means to her and how her faith is grown immensely starting off right away this morning and spiritual direction it's something that can take your faith to the next level but how does one begin that journey that's what we'll be talking with talking about as we visit with Tamara Moore spiritual director for St. Philip's there in Bemidji 
How important is it to remember that we are called to be joyful missionary disciples? That's what we'll talk about with Archbishop Alan Vigneron of Detroit as we preview his upcoming visit for the Diocese of Bismarck's Thirst Conference. All that and so much more is coming up right away this morning on Real Presence Live. Back to you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I'm really excited about all these interviews. Uh, I am especially excited about Archbishop Vigneron uh, out of Detroit. He is, as I understand, I've never met him, but as I understand it, an excellent, excellent uh, archbishop in Detroit. And he's doing a lot of really great things out there in the archdiocese. So uh, you'll want to tune in for the whole time. We begin uh, today talking about Jesus in the Eucharist. Uh, I could listen to this chant all day long. It's a beautiful thing. So if you, if you are unfamiliar with what we've got there, that's a little Gregorian chant going on in the back, and uh, it's a, a rich part of our uh, of our tradition as Catholic Christians, a rich part of our history. Um, so Gregorian chant is something that often is uh, f- uh, familiarized with people who are familiar with the Mass and the liturgy, and a big part of the Mass, maybe something that, that complements the Mass very well, of course, doesn't re- replace it, uh, but is also Eucharistic adoration. So the two there, the Mass in the liturgy and in Eucharistic adoration, we encounter Jesus Christ, fully present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the most holy, the most blessed sacrament, the Eucharist. And we are joined this morning by Ashley Herdering. Good morning, Ashley. Good morning. How are you doing today? Good. Great, great. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm from Stearns County, Freeport, Minnesota. They say that Stearns County is like straight out of Rome. <laughs> At least that's what I've heard in Bemidji. <laughs> I'm a cradle Catholic, which means I've always been Catholic. And I've been raised on a farm with my grandparents, parents, and four siblings. I have an older brother who's married, an older sister, and two younger brothers. I currently attend Bemidji State University. I'm a senior there, hoping to graduate in the spring. I run cross-country and track. In cross-country, we run the 6K, and in track, we do the, I do the mile and steeplechase, and I love it, and I currently attend St. Philip's Church. Mm, great. Excellent. Well, we're glad to have you up here in Bemidji, uh, all the way from that Catholic county in Minnesota. Every time I drive through Stearns County, I'm just like, I feel like I'm in Catholic country. It's really, really great, even though I don't actually know that many people from Stearns County. But uh, I know I have some family that comes from there, actually. So anyways, Ashley, we're, you're here with us during the same time that we're talking about Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist. Is there a connection there? Like, do you, do you believe in this? Like, do you, do you have an attraction to Jesus in the Eucharist? Like, tell us, a little, like, have you always been attracted to Jesus in the Eucharist? Yeah, ever since I was a little girl, I loved going to church, and I've always had the pull that there was something more. I loved going on retreats, but I couldn't really answer the question of when it really started. I know it's sometime before confirmation, and that's why I got confirmed. Mm, that's why you got confirmed, because of Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist. Yes. That's a beautiful gift. That is a beautiful gift. I, in fact, I know I've, I've heard a lot of similar stories about this, about people saying, like, the main reason I'm Catholic is because of the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so an- another story, we've got that to chalk up. The main reason that Ashley Herdering is still Catholic is because of the Eucharist. Uh, what a beautiful, beautiful gift. And it, it points to the, this reality that, that Jesus... Uh, wants to draw us in through his his bodily presence uh through the sacraments that he gives us especially in this blessed sacrament okay so how 
how about in college? Like in, in college, have you encountered Jesus in a deeper way? Have like how how has your your devotion to the Eucharist been enhanced or grown, or has it just kind of been stale? You know, like t- talk about that. So in college, I came to Bemidji and I found uh, the Newman Club here, and we had the opportunity to go on a focus trip to seek Indianapolis last. January and there was adoration and it was just super powerful for me and coming back I knew that I wanted to go to adoration at least once a week here Mm -hmm. and just take time out of my day to just have that a part of it and I also became a Eucharistic minister and with that I just get to hold Jesus in my hands and I love being a Eucharistic minister I get excited every time and I love that people can just come up and see me smiling when I get to give out the blood of Christ mm, what a gift uh, if you to our listening audience if you haven't heard of this thing called seek uh, it happens something it's happen- something that happens every other year uh, that's put on by Focus Fellowship of Catholic University students. And uh, what happens at these these conferences is like, we're talking like, at the most recent one, there was like 18,000 college students, Catholic college students from around the country at this conference in Indianapolis. Uh, I was there with, with our group, with, with all the students, hearing confessions, concelebrating at mass, listening to talks. It's like, it's a, it's a jam-packed thing. Like, it's, 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 huge. Uh, and it's a way for Catholic college students uh, to give a, a bit of their t- time during their Christmas break to the Lord Jesus, to growing in their faith and maturing as, as Christian disciples. Uh, and a big part of what goes on there is, yes, the Mass. We have Mass every day, or they have Mass every day. And then there's this big night of adoration and confessions where like thousands of students will go to confession. And meanwhile, everyone else is adoring the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, singing songs and praying and praising God and and it's just this really beautiful thing. We are here with Ashley Herdering. You are listening to Real Presence Live. My name is Father Brian Cuiava. We're here with Deacon Dan Goshi uh, and Ashley Herdering is talking with us right now about her love for Jesus in the Eucharist in the Blessed Sacrament. She shared with us about how she she's always been drawn to the Lord since even from, from being a little girl. The reason that she got confirmed as a high schooler was because of the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. Uh, from there, in her time in college, she's grown closer to the Lord through a conference called Seek uh, seek in, that was in Indianapolis, fo- uh, put on by Focus Fellowship of Catholic University students, and now she's brought that back to her parish where she's at college here at St. Philip's in Bemidji, uh, and she participates in the Mass on occasion as an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion, where she gets to distribute the body and blood of Jesus to her fellow uh, Christians, Catholic Christians, who are participating in the Mass and receiving Holy Communion. Uh, what what a what a beautiful gift, Ashley. Like, what's it like for you? on a personal level, when you get to, not just when you get to give out uh, the, the blood of Christ or the body of Christ, but when you, like even before then, right, you get to receive the body and blood of Jesus. Like the most intimate time that we can have with God, where, where Jesus' bodily presence enters into our bodies, uh, enters into our souls. Uh, what, what's that like for you? Since Jesus is fully present in the Eucharist, it's such an intimate thing, and Jesus give him gave himself up for me and so every time that i receive him i just get super excited because i have the graces that jesus is giving me what uh what a beautiful gift of course can you name any 
like specific graces maybe that you've received after receiving communion? I know this is kind of uh, putting putting you on the spot, but uh, have, have there been any times when you've been at Mass, you received the Eucharist, and maybe it's just been, for whatever reason, maybe more more of a felt presence of Jesus? You know, we, we don't always feel his presence in the Eucharist, but there are occasions when he gives us that felt presence that we call spiritual consolation, you know? Um, can you name any, any specific times when, when that's happened in, in your memory is, that you can think of? I can't name the day, but there's sometimes when I'm just kind of not really focusing on Jesus, like getting distracted and going to communion. I'm still excited, and then afterwards it's like this powerful experience, and Jesus is just like living through me. Mm. That's beautiful. It reminds me reminds me of uh, St. Paul in the letter to the Galatians, chapter 2. Galatians 2, verse 20, where he says, It is no longer I who live, uh, but it is Jesus Christ living in me. Right? Uh, this idea, uh, the very real idea for St. Paul, and what it's meant to be a very real idea for us, that uh, Jesus, in fact, does live, like he lives within us. And so the hope is that as we grow and mature as Christians, that he would actually begin to live without us, like like from within moving out into our external actions so that when we live and breathe and move and think, we can say, like, it's not actually me, but it's Jesus. Uh, and so in a, in a particular way, we could, we could almost say, we could say, actually, that this is something that can happen for us when we receive the Eucharist, even, like you said, when, when we're distracted or when it seems like, you know, there's a bunch of different thoughts on our minds and it's like, I come forward and I receive Holy Communion and it's like, in that moment, I really encounter Jesus's desire to live in me. Uh, and to live in you, right? What a what a beautiful what a beautiful gift. Um, are there other things in college that that have helped you to encounter Jesus in a in a deeper way since you've come up here to Bemidji? Well, this last summer I went on this program ran by three priests called the CWF Catholic Worldview Fellowship in Germany and Rome. It changed my life. I felt God's presence fully there and ever more closely than in the past. While on this program, we got to have adoration two times a day in daily Mass, where we sang in Latin. And that's why when you talked about the Gregorian chant, it was just like, yeah, it brought me back to Germany. <laughs> it was absolutely cool. So, yeah. Wow. So, adoration two times a day. Like, didn't you get bored? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, that's a fair question, though. No, absolutely. That, that's a fair I, question. I know, I know plenty of people who... Who, who don't uh, have this experience right, that you have. Right, or they talk mm-hmm. about prayer or going to adoration. I, I can think of a lot of young people, especially, mm-hmm. where we live in this world of noise, of, of always being on our phones or always being online, social media, Snapchat, Netflix, whatever it may be. And so the idea of like going into a room where there's just this gold box to look at, or, or sometimes you, know, you go and there's this really gold thing and then like there's a window where it looks like i'm just looking at a piece of bread and it's like well this is really boring you know like so how it's not boring for you no like, it's exciting it's exciting yes wait a minute like okay explain that to me as as far as you can uh, i think it's exciting because you get to tell jesus everything that's going on in your life and you get to really feel him in the space that you're in and we were with so many other people in the room and you really just felt like you were there with jesus you didn't think that there's anybody else with you mm. yeah that's a, that's a great gift i i love um i love this idea of a bunch of people getting together uh to grow 
in an intentional way in their faith, right? It's, it's like, you know, we have retreats that people go on, which are really great. Uh, there, there may be even like a camp that a person can go on for a week or something. And that's really great. But this idea of taking, how long was it that you were in Germany? Three weeks Three. in Germany, one week in Rome. So like a full four weeks, almost a full month there, uh, to just like be with this community, to grow in your prayer, to grow in your understanding of the mass and Catholicism in general. Uh, what a beautiful gift. How could a person not grow in their appreciation for the Eucharist being so closely connected to him for those four weeks? Um, yeah, like I, I just can't imagine a person not growing and like growing in their understanding and in their knowledge and therefore being able to see beneath the surface of, of what's going on. Um, so you, you'd say that that's what happened to you, huh? Yes. Oh, great. Um, would you do you have any messages for people who are listening maybe right now and um, they're they're wondering how they can discover Jesus in the Eucharist? Uh, any any messages for them? I would say two things. First, just take time out of your day and sit with Jesus and reflect on what's going on in your life and just giving time to Him. And the second thing, if when you go to Mass, it's okay to be excited to go get the Eucharist and let Jesus be with you. I love that it's okay to be excited. It's okay to be excited. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's there's there's actually something to that. There can be a temptation when you're whether it's with your family, your spouse, your siblings, or your friends. Maybe especially your friends if you're a younger person. It's like this idea of being excited about Jesus, about Catholicism in general. You know, where it's kind of like it's it's maybe a little taboo even in our culture to to be excited about God, and so. I can see fear being something that prevents people from really engaging in the mass and really praying and really getting after it. So I love that, that message. Be not afraid. Do not be afraid to be excited about going to meet Jesus in the Eucharist. What a beautiful gift. Well, all right. Thank you, Ashley, very much for being with us. We appreciate that. God bless you, and uh, continue your, your beautiful journey. Coming up next, we will lift up our intentions during Prayerfully Yours, and later it'll be your opportunity to ask Father questions on the Catholic faith during Straight Talk. Live from St. Philip's Church in Bemidji, I'm Deacon Dan Goshi. We've got Father Brian Cuiava, and you're tuned to Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Mayo Pharmacy in Bismarck is a faith-based pharmacy committed to delivering excellent care. We're pro-life and pro-family, respecting the dignity of the human person while providing for your individual needs. We have Catholic gifts for all ages, from mystic monk coffee to cards and crucifixes. Plus, we offer a wide range of clinical services, including rapid influenza testing and diabetes care management. You can visit us at 303 North 4th Street to discover the Mayo difference. Our number is 701-223-2424. You can join Father Tom Loomis and St. James Coffee on a life-changing travel experience on a tour to Poland where you will encounter Christ and His Church and learn from history, the life of Pope John Paul, the faith of the Polish people, and more August 22nd through the 31st, 2020. Participation in this tour provides financial support for St. James Coffee. You can stop by the coffee shop in Rochester to pick up a brochure or Ed Ventures can be reached at 800-658-7128. 
Are you thirsting for God's love, His mercy, His forgiveness? You'll find that and so much more at the Thirst 2019 Eucharistic Conference at the Bismarck Event Center, Friday, October 25th through Sunday the 27th. Guest speakers include Dr. Edward Sree, Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers, Curtis Martin, and Kendra Tierney. Daily Mass, Adoration, and Confessions are available during the conference. Register now online at bismarckdiocese.com slash thirst2019 and download the Thirst app. My name is Brad List. I'm the father of Nathan List. He started at Mount Marty in 2016. This is a gem underneath their nose that most kids in Yankton don't even realize is there. They don't understand what Mount Marty offers as a school. They offer as helping plan for your future. Example, they're helping Nathan with internships. They're you know looking at what kind of jobs can you get. It's good to be close to home. You don't have to come home, but you know it's always there. Lead. Serve impact at Mount Marty College. If you're having a difficult day or need some support, log on to your catholicradiostation.com and click on prayer requests. From here, we invite you to send us your prayer needs so we can pray specifically for those intentions. And if you have time, scroll down on the homepage to personally pray for the needs of other members of the RPR family. Visit your catholicradiostation.com and click on prayer requests. You can also send intentions to us from the main screen of our app. We're blessed to be able to join you in prayer this is real presence live on the rpr network bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the upper midwest now back to the show all right thanks for staying with us on real presence live it's time for our prayerfully yours segment and uh, just about each day we receive requests prayer requests from uh, folks who are close to us, and we hold these uh, these needs close to us uh, in prayer at Real Presence Radio, too. We're going to share a few of these prayer requests now, and we invite you who are listening to join in, uh, in prayer specifically for these intentions. Father, we are asked to uh, pray for the repose of the soul of Gus from one of our Real Presence family. Another request, pray for my dying uncle, Gene, and for the healing of cancer in Katie, Jen, and Jeff. Also asking for prayers of humble thanks for an undeserved grace. And finally, a request uh, for, for prayers for the farmers and, and what they are enduring here in this, in this season. Lord Jesus, we remind you of your mercy. We know that you can't forget it, but we oftentimes forget it. And so we rekindle within our hearts and our minds uh, the great gift of your death on the cross and your blood that was poured out for our sins, poured out for our souls. We pray for Gus, uh, Lord, that you would be merciful to him and that you would welcome him into eternity, eternal paradise with you, uh, that you would purify his soul quickly so that he can enter quickly into heaven uh, so that he can begin praising you in a more purified way and so that he can begin praying for us who remain here below. Uh, we pray for Gene as well for the grace of final perseverance for him, uh, that you would give him that gift to remain faithful to you during his final trials, his final days. Uh, give him that grace so that he may be purified even here on earth and so that he can enter into eternal life with you as well. We pray, Jesus, in your name for the healing of cancer uh, in all who suffer with it, especially in Katie, Jen, and Jeff. 
Jesus, we pray for your Holy Spirit to descend upon them, uh, that they may encounter the healing rays of your grace. We call to mind the image of the divine mercy, the blood and water that poured out, uh, revealed in this image as rays of mercy. We pray that these rays of mercy would reach into the bodies of Katie, Jen, and Jeff, that these healing rays would bring about real healing, bodily healing uh, in their lives. Jesus, we pray this in your name. We thank you for all of the graces that you provide for your people, especially for uh, the grace that you provide for this person who asked us to thank you for them. Uh, we're so grateful for all the ways that you provide for us and care for us. Uh, and we thank you especially for, for the undeserved grace that we all receive. And Jesus, we pray for our farmers, uh, that you would bless them during this difficult time. Uh, as their fields are wet and muddy, as uh, things are so slow going, uh, as the weather um, is, is a challenge for them, we offer all of this to you and we trust that you will provide in the way that they need your provision. Uh, that you would care for them, that you would give them peace of mind and freedom from anxiety and freedom from irritation and anger, uh, that you would give them the grace to keep their focus on you and to trust in you. We pray also, Jesus, that you would provide for them, uh, that you would come through for them so that the harvest may be abundant, so that they may have what they need uh, to live their lives in a normal and healthy way that they may have what they need so that their focus can be on you and less than, less on uh, the worldly things before them. Uh, give them this particular grace to be confident in your mercy and in your grace. Lord, we offer all of these prayers uh, to you and we pray uh, that you would hear and answer us all according to your will. We pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And thank you for taking the time to pray with us for these Real Presence Radio family members and, and their needs. And uh, remember, again, if you have a special, a specific intention that you would like prayed for, please visit our website, yourcatholicradiostation.com. You can submit your prayer request under the Prayer Requests uh, button or tab at the, at the top of the page. You can also submit an intention on our app. Just simply click on Prayer Requests on the main screen. Stay tuned for Straight Talk with Father Brian Cuiava and uh, call uh, 877-795-0122 with your questions. You're listening to Real Presence Live with Father Brian Cuiava. I'm Deacon Dan Goshi, broadcasting live from St. Philip's Church in Bemidji, Minnesota. At the University of Mary, affordable access to Catholic higher education is vitally important. Thanks to generous donors who believe in the value of Catholic education, eligible graduates of Catholic high schools receive free room and board. And students who choose our groundbreaking year-round campus option can earn a bachelor's degree in just 2.6 years or a master's in four, saving money while getting a head start on their careers. Discover the Mary difference at cometomary.com. That's cometomary.com. Broomtree Retreat Center near Irene, South Dakota will be offering an inner healing retreat October 11th through the 13th with Jane Bars and Mike Schneider of the Matthew Ministry. This retreat, which begins Friday evening and ends Sunday afternoon, offers hope and freedom to those seeking a way out of hurt and sorrow. For more information about the ministry, visit thematthewministry.com. To register for the retreat, call 605-263-1040 or register online at broom-tree.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. 
heard right here on the RPR Network. All right, we're back on Real Presence Live. Straight Talk is uh, just ahead. I'm Deacon Dan Goshi, and uh, we've got Father Brian Guayaba. We're broadcasting at uh, uh, from the St. Philip's Church in Bemidji, where it is uh, gray and rainy and beautiful. Mm. I have I have an app. Do I have time? Is, it, is this free time for me yeah, to just yeah, shoot just from the hip? Say what you want. <clears throat> Everybody duck. Um, I have this phone app. A weather. Uh, it's a weather app, and. Um, uh, you can you can program in here. You know, if you're a golfer, if you're a fisherman, if you're you know a jogger, whatever it is, what what the ideal conditions are of the day. And so I created something called the perfect day. Mm. All right, created this. This is my thing. Is my 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 perfect day. And so I um, uh, set the wind speed. It gives you a, a parameter. You know, zero to ninety. What would be the perfect day for you? So I went okay, zero to ninety. Anything. Anything God wants. This is the day the Lord has made. Whatever he chooses. Mm-hmm. Temperatures, 40 below to 120. Anything. I opened it wide. <clears throat> so that uh, wind speed, wind direction, humidity, clouds, sun, didn't matter. I just, everything, whatever God wanted that day was the perfect day. So every, every day I pick up and I look at my phone app and I look at the weather, what, what's going to be like today. And I'm like, oh, a perfect day. Just like that. It's the that's, way God wanted it. That's great. It's great. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I like that. I, I heard a, a, I can't remember who it was, um, if it was St. Francis of Assisi or maybe falsely attributed to him like so many other quotes are or something. Sure. But uh, the quote was, the weather is always good, just in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, again, is like, so I know for a lot of people, per- perhaps, you know, for our farmers especially, they're they're hearing stuff like this and they're just thinking like, yeah, I don't know if I if I can get into that right now, you know, mm-hmm. because things are, are challenging and difficult. But I think it, it's just always good for us to trust in God, um, as hard as it may be from time to time. It's always good for us to trust that the Lord is going to give us what we truly need. Maybe not what we perceive that we need or mm-hmm. what we perceive as best, uh, but that he's going to give us what we truly need. And so this idea of, okay, whatever the weather, whatever the weather is for the day, it's... It's a good day. It's, it's going to be okay. Yeah, exactly. God's it's still be on okay. the throne. Right. right. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Yeah. Well, that's where I was going. Well, that's great. Yeah. That's yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, a good a good throw in. <laughs> All right. Looks like uh, it's time for Straight Talk, and we're excited to bring you this segment on Real Presence Live. Straight Talk is your opportunity to share your questions and comments on topics relating to the faith or on things happening in the world around us with uh, our local hosts and priests. Now, when, when uh, you hear the sound effect, I want you to call 877-795-0122. You can also send your questions, comments to us on Facebook. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, the number is 877-795-0122. Mm. So there you are. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I say this, I think, maybe every time, actually, but um, I, or maybe I haven't said it. I can't remember. But I... So I... I haven't always been an active Catholic in my faith. Uh, mm-hmm. There was most of my life, in fact. Um, I went to Mass only on Christmas and Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was in high school, I went on a retreat, and that retreat changed my life. And uh, so I started going to Mass and started engaging the faith. And when I did that, I had a ton of questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had a priest in my life who was able to answer those questions. Um, in challenging ways, he pushed me, and he's, I mean, he's like the smartest person I know on the face of the earth. Uh, and so, like, I really had to think 
hard about his answers, but at the same time, it was like understandable enough that uh, it wasn't like over my head, or it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't so hard that I was just like gonna give up on it. Uh, and so anyway, so he answered all my questions, and then on top of that, we had a, a really great youth minister in my in my parish, and uh, again, he was just a very in, uh, very well informed Catholic, and and very well formed for that matter as well. And so anyways, it's just one of those things that like. Ever since I have become an active Catholic, like questions and answers have been like a part of my game. Mm-hmm. Um, whether I've asked them and people have been able to answer them, or whether I've asked them and sought for answers online or whatever it may be, or people asking questions and me trying to give an answer that's both uh, understandable but also you know, true, you mm-hmm. know, uh, mm-hmm. that doesn't water things down or, you know, whatever too much. Uh, so anyways, I just, I, I love answering questions and I still listen to question answer things all the time. I listen to Catholic answers live podcast, uh, every morning, actually I, I wake up and I listen to their podcast at two times speed. So they talk really fast. Uh, <laughs> but then it get you know, the, the show's over in a half an hour and it's just really, it's really great. So, uh, I just, I, I love, I love that kind of I love this kind of thing. So uh, if you have a question, however challenging it may be or however simple it may be, uh, give a call. That number again, 877-795-0122. All right. And again, on Facebook as well, um, uh, you can just uh, you can submit your question that, that way as well. Um, let's see. A listener question. Do you see this one? I, I'm seeing it. Uh huh. Beard oil versus beard balm, Father. Wow. <laughs> what are the advantages? That's a great question. Um, you laugh, but this is a very. I'm a clean a shaven very, deacon. Yeah, see, you're this the, you're is a, a very real thing for uh, for us bearded folk, oh, uh, especially because. So I mean, uh, beard dandruff is a real thing. Okay. Uh, so the skin under so the beard uh, can you know just like just like with the hair on top of your head, you can get dandruff and whatever it may be. So beard dandruff is is a real thing. So anyways, this idea of beard oil versus beard balm. Uh, what are the advantages of each? <laughs> So uh, we could we could get as detailed about this or as as limited as it as it is. But as as far as I understand, beard oil is the superior beard care item. Uh, so beard oil, because what beard balm tends to do is it just gets stuck on like the outside, the outer part of the beard. Whereas beard oil, you know, be- oil can spread you know far and wide, and it can soak into things and whatever else. So a beard oil. What it's going to do is moisturize the skin underneath the hair, the beard hair, as well as moisturizing the beard hair. Beard balm is going to provide maybe a little bit more substance, though, so you're going to be able to give a little bit more shape to your beard. Uh, yeah, and Speaking both. Speaking of substance, yeah, right. Yeah. I can't believe this is our lead-off question. I know, isn't it great? Isn't it really great? <laughs> so, uh, so, anyways, um, both both are are, are good uh, for um, just beard care in general and uh, helping prevent your beard from becoming too dry and you know dandruffy and whatever. Uh, I personally make my own beard oil. Actually, I, I got a bunch of uh, more substantial oils. They're called carrier oils. You mix them together uh, that have different you know characteristics, uh, like such as care for the skin or caring for the hair or whatever it may be and then you add some essential oils into it to give it a little scent so my current scent right now is a mixture of orange and lemon so it's like a little you know citrusy type type thing which is is nice it doesn't quite match up with the season but that's okay it's it's going to be okay in the end i've only used beard balm a couple of times um i didn't really find it to be super great 
So that's great. There we go. There great, go. great so first question. If you have any other male grooming tips you'd like Father <laughs> uh, Brian to to respond to, please let us know. The phone number is eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. As I uh, go through the image in my head of a uh, of a cookie that I recently had with powdered sugar. I'm hoping it wasn't beard dandruff on there, oh, that it was actually powdered point. sugar covered on there. There's a big difference. That, so. Yeah, that is a really big difference. Eight questions on, uh, on Facebook. If you want to well. hear us, yeah, if you want to hear us ask, <clears throat> answer like real questions, real questions. Uh, <laughs> you can call in and uh, or leave a comment on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a great idea. We get those too. Right. Uh, I, I was really impressed with um, with Ashley. Yeah, who who spoke to us not long ago about uh, her her the joy, the excitement that she talked about in receiving uh, the Eucharist and being an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion and, and what a, what a beautiful thing that is. And I, I sometimes um, you know we don't we don't all get that gift of of feeling oh this is this is awesome. I mm-hmm. mean we, we maybe have heard it, we maybe believe it, but we're not you know the emotion isn't there, the mm-hmm. feeling part of it isn't there. That doesn't diminish what we're what we're receiving or the effect it has on us, but. When I, <clears throat> excuse me, when I when I train, um, uh, I, I do some liturgical training for our church. And when I train extraordinary ministers, or even when we uh, work with the RCIA uh, group about you know the, the first communion that they'll receive, I, I try to. Um, some people prefer to receive on their on their hand, and I think uh, I try to remind them. Remember that uh, story in in Bethlehem, uh, and and Jesus was born. What was it like for Mary to receive her Lord in her hands for the first time? Mm-hmm. And, and and every time she went to to hold the baby or the child or the the man after he was removed from the cross. Um, or, or what was it like for Mary to know that that uh, if you receive on the tongue, for example, what was it like for Mary to know from the angel Gabriel, you know? Jesus is going to be inside you now, and, mm-hmm. and what was that? What would that be like? So, those are little things that might help, you know, to kind of further along that the mentality of of how you might approach. The I like Eucharist. that. I, I like that a lot. Trying to trying to give an image for for people. I think um, I think people can relate to those images. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea of holding a baby, even right. you know, even if you right. don't consider that Jesus is God, and you know, like so, like that's that's like an extraordinary thing. But mm-hmm. the idea of holding a baby, like you're really careful with the baby, mm-hmm. you don't want to drop the baby, you know, those kinds of things. Or yeah, this this similar idea of like, okay, what what was what was this like for someone else mm-hmm. uh, who encountered Jesus in a real way, uh, and how can that affect my reception, even if I don't fully understand what's going on? Sure, sure. Like. Uh, it can still, in faith, um, do that. In fact, this morning I was just uh, reading the Catechism of the Catholic Church uh, and just reading the initial parts, and it talked about different elements of catechesis. Um, and one of those elements, was it talked about an experience of Christian living. So uh, helping people to experience Christian living in a unique way, um, such as that by providing examples or providing images for them uh, that can really bring their their Catholic Christian faith alive mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in a in a very real way. I, Sometimes I like that a lot. You, ha- you have to make take some intentional steps to get to that point where yeah. you really can can embrace it and start to get it, right. so to speak. So. Yeah. All right, we had a phone call, and uh, is this an indication that the person is not with us? That we're just right. they just left this question. Okay, I recently saw the seminarian photos for the diocese of Fargo. Many of them were wearing collars, but they aren't priests. Is there some confusion there? If someone would see a seminarian in a collar, there definitely can be uh, some confusion. Um, in fact, this is there are there are some seminaries around the country where uh, the guys who are in seminary will wear the 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 clerical garb that a priest wears, right? So the black clothes with the the white collar, or there are maybe even some seminaries where uh, they'll wear like a cassock, 
um, mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, and yeah, so like these, these, these guys in seminary, they're not priests. And so there could easily be some confusion. In fact, I remember one time I was with my buddy, Father, Father Craig Vosick. Um, he wasn't father at the time. He was just a, a seminarian. Uh, and we went to um, La Crosse, Wisconsin, where there is uh, this, this shrine to Our Lady of Guadalupe, this beautiful, beautiful church church. Uh, shrine of our Our lady of guadalupe and anyways there were some people there um who were spanish speakers latinos and uh they they spoke to my buddy then craig at the time as though he were father you know um and so yeah there's that that easy confusion but when there's that confusion you know it can actually be an opportunity for evangelization or for explanation and just say you know i'm not a father but i'm in seminary and so you can please pray for me you know those kinds of things Mm -hmm. so it's, it's definitely like uh that there are some seminaries around the country where they don't wear the clerical garb. They just wear a collared shirt, like a, a normal collared shirt, like a, a business casual kind of thing or business formal kind of thing. Um, and that's, that's why they do it is because they don't want to create confusion. And you know, that's, that's just fine. Um, there's, there's not necessarily a right or wrong way of doing it. I know, um, when, when I was in seminary the seminary I went to in St. Paul, uh, we wore the clerical garb, uh, our, our last four years. And, um, doing that, they told us like, this helps you remember that when you're in public, you're in public as a very public person. And so, uh, it's a good reminder for you to make sure you're acting as a very public person, a representative of the church. Uh, that could be something that a person could forget about if they're, if they're not wearing the clerical garb. Um, you know, hopefully in other ways, the seminary, uh, where, where they don't wear that, the, the, the clerical garb, they're reminding them of this in other ways. And, you know, that the men are people of men of integrity. And so they actually, they're, they're concerned about it all the time. Uh, but at the same time, this is just maybe one extra aspect that can be provided by that. So, uh, great question. Definitely, there can be confusion, but at the same time, uh, we are able to speak and dialogue with each other, and so uh, confusions can be explained and uh, actually lead to great, great conversations down the line. Phone number again is eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two, or you can submit your question on Facebook. Um, I, I have. Um, <clears throat> it, it's a good reminder, as you mentioned, when you're wearing the, the clerical garb. Because um, my wife will have to say to me sometimes, Dan, remember, you're a deacon. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and it's usually very appropriate times when she, thank goodness for her, um, that, that she'll, she'll remind me of these things, that you're not uh, just a, a priest or a deacon or a seminarian. While you're in that community, right. you are that, you know, uh, you, are, you are a light uh, at all times, and people are going to make assessments about whether you like it or not. Right. Whether it's right or wrong, they're going to make assessments about the Catholic faith and about the church and about religion in general by looking and watching and observing you. So. Absolutely. All right, Bill from Moorhead is on the line with us, I think. Bill? Yeah, that's right. Uh, and I'm, I, was, uh, I found this online. It says, the Pope blocks the German plan for Protestants to receive Catholic Communion. And uh, there, was, there was a move by German bishops to allow Protestants married to Roman Catholics to receive communion in Catholic churches. And there were, there were a bunch of the bishops that were in support of this, but a bunch of them were not. And so the Pope entered in this, and he said that, no, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's, I just I, I wonder to hear what your thoughts are on this. Because we've yeah. got a lot of Lutherans up here, you know. Yeah, right, we do. Yeah, the northwestern part of Minnesota, even, I mean, all of Minnesota for that matter, but northwestern Minnesota is... Uh there's a lot of Protestants who live up in this area of the country, and, and I, I'm very familiar with people in my parish, people in other parishes, um, who are 
married with uh, married to people of different faiths of Protestant background or you know whatever it may be uh, and so yeah that's it's a real question like um, are are our spouses or whatever you know similar to what it sounds like uh, I haven't I haven't studied this very well uh, as far as the German bishops trying to have the Protestant spouses be able to receive communion but um, it is I mean so there are the, in canon law there are a set of um, conditions that if they're met, then a Protestant could receive Holy Communion. But all of those, I believe there are seven conditions that need to be met. And among them, you know, one of them is like, and your own minister is unavailable, and uh, you can display a Catholic understanding of communion, and um, you get the bishop's permission for it, and, you know, different different things like that. So uh, the conditions, like, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty strong, and they basically would lead a person towards, like, you know, you could just become Catholic, you know? Uh, so, um, anyways, I, I, I hear what the bishops, uh, of, of Germany are trying to get at. Uh, but at the same time, I, I guess I would, uh, appreciate this if, if it's true that the, the Pope blocked the Germans' plan for it. Uh, I think maybe a more evangelical approach might just be to invite those Protestant spouses to consider becoming Catholic. And if, if they're not able to, then uh, it can actually lead into a great way to dialogue uh, with them um, so that we can together as one not just come to an agreement on receiving Holy Communion, but we can actually come to an agreement, hopefully, on our beliefs as Christians, uh, because after all, this is what the Lord desires for all of us. Not just that we would all be able to receive the same Holy Communion, but that uh, receiving that communion would actually make us one in in our belief, in our thought, uh, so that we can be united together as as a community. Um, what do you think of that, Bill? So you're, are, you, are you saying, Father, then, that there, if the bishop permits it in a given diocese, and people uh, follow a certain steps that they can do that? So what I'm saying and what I believe canon law says is that on individual basis, so I don't believe a bishop can make a blanket statement that says any Protestant that wants to come and receive communion may do so. Um, my understanding is that it has to be on an individual basis where an individual person, let's say Bob, has to approach the bishop. Uh, well, first he probably has to approach his parish priest, and then from there they the other conditions need to be met, and then in addition to that, Bob needs to approach the bishop with a letter or in person, and then the bishop can say, Bob, I give you permission in this one time to receive Holy Communion. Um, but again, all seven of the conditions, and I unfortunately I don't have the seven conditions in front of me, but all seven of them need to be met for that to happen. In this article, it goes on and says that if there's a danger of death or something, right. you know, if there's some, something drastic happening, then you can do it. Yes, I, I, I think you're right about that. You know, That's but, not, another... but not just because your wife's with you at the, right. at the wrong church. Or exactly, okay. yeah. <clears throat> All right, well, well, thank you for your, your thoughts on that. I appreciate it. Yeah, Father. thanks for the call, Bill. All right, and um, I believe we have Nancy from Fargo on the line as well. Nancy, are you there? Yeah, hi. Oh, hi. Hi. Um, What's your question for Father? Well, first, all glory and honor to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I'm really enjoying your your program. Um, anyway, my question is, um, when I want to pray some prayers before and after Mass, um, and I love, and Mass is top, is it... I don't think I'd benefit as much when I pray my prayers during your Mass 
when I can do them before or after. I, so, you know, and as opposed to multitasking and just get her done, I got to get the mask done, I got to get my prayers done. I'm out of here after that, you know? I mean, um, with the, I don't want to sound snippy, but the mask is, can be the most, the greatest thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And most always is. But, so is it proper or okay or great for people to be getting their own prayers in at every little chance they get during the Mass? Mm. I don't know if people would do that during watching their favorite show, TV yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. If they yeah. would try to multitask like this. Okay. Right, no, I, I definitely... I hear what you're saying, Nancy. Um, so, I, being a fairly young person, uh, I did not grow up uh, with the Mass before the Second Vatican Council. My understanding is that uh, before the Second Vatican Council, or at least before the Mass uh, kind of at large became spoken in the vernacular, uh, it seems to my memory that people would uh you know pray the rosary or something during mass and and so they would pray their own prayers while the priest prayed his prayers and so some of that maybe has um has sort of trickled down into some modern practice i, th- I think you're absolutely right the mass is the supreme prayer of the church it is the high point of the the, the church at prayer um and so with that yeah like the church calls us to fully active actively engage and participate in the Mass. Um, now, so, sometimes people say, well, for me to fully participate in Mass, then I need to be doing everything. I need to be doing the readings. I need to be helping distribute communion. I need to be, you know, leading the music, whatever it may be. And that, that may be a part of a participation. But what the Church is getting at in, in terms of that full active participation is uh primarily just simply being engaged in the prayers that are being spoken, right? Part of the reason that the Mass was translated and allowed to be spoken in the vernacular was so that people who were in the pews could understand what was going on, so that they could listen better, basically. Uh, and so this is this is definitely what the Church invites us and calls for, uh, to be actively participating in the Mass by listening int- attentively, by being engaged in the readings that are being spoken, or uh, you know, singing the songs as a community, right, as a body of uh, of Christ in Christ. Um, so certainly, the prayers that a person can pray before or after Mass are valuable, and like you say, uh, it's it's best if we can, if it's at all possible, it's best to not just be running from uh, from the Mass as soon as it's over, or uh, or you know, if we can avoid it, uh, start to avoid coming to Mass at the last minute, but maybe, you know, even show up a few minutes early to pray, absolutely, uh, so that the Mass cannot just be something that I've got to get over with, like I can check it off my list, but so that it can actually be, you know, like the high point of my week and of my, my entire day, so I want to really sort of relish the graces that flow from it. Is that is that what you're getting at, Nancy? Yeah, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Yeah, you bet, great. Thanks for calling in. And if you have some other questions for us uh, for Straight Talk, you can call 877-795-0122, or you can also submit your questions by Facebook. That number again is 877-795-0122. I was uh, recently told by a non-Catholic that our deceased relatives have no awareness of us who are still living on Earth. Where does that teaching come from? I don't know. Um... Our deceased relatives have no... 
people will say often at funerals, "Oh, your your grandma's looking down upon you sure. now," and 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 she's you know I, I can feel my dad with me, and 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 uh, there are denominations that will say that that's not true. They can't see you. They have no awareness of you. How could heaven be happy if they were mm-hmm. looking down at the misery on earth? Sure, sure. Yeah. I see. I see that. Well, so I think there's there's probably a happy medium between there because uh, mm-hmm. I also I. Uh, it's like nails on a chalkboard when when people say, "Well, your loved one is looking down on you now." It's like, no, if they're in heaven, they're probably looking at Jesus. Yeah, there you uh, go. <laughs> like, uh, if they're in heaven, I'm not sure that they're super um, interested in looking at us as opposed to looking at Jesus. Uh, that being said, they're still our loved ones, right? So it's like they're they're fully alive. They've been fully perfected, um, and uh, been purified, and so their will is perfectly in line with God's will now if they're in heaven. And uh, so that doesn't mean that they would stop paying attention to us, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they would stop loving us, in fact. In fact, if, if they're fully alive in heaven and their wills are in line with God's will and they can see as God sees, that means they actually probably love us in a more perfect way than they did while they were still alive on earth. Uh, and so this idea that that they don't pay attention to us or that they they don't have any connection with us i'd say that's actually a it's it's a false reality in fact i'd say the opposite that being fully incorporated into the heavenly reality they are more fully a part of the body of christ uh and so therefore they're actually more connected to us in heaven than they would have been on earth um there may be for us isn't the same emotional uh connection but uh, love goes beyond emotions, you know. Uh, if they're fully incorporated into the body of Christ, then, gosh, it's it's like it, they couldn't be closer to us, except that we would go to heaven as well, and and then be fully united with with them, fully united with the body of Christ. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two is the phone number. Another listener called and placed this question: Father, do all dogs really go to heaven? <laughs> That's great. So this is actually a question that. Um, I think about a lot, uh, and not in the sense that I really hope, you know, my, my dog Fido goes to heaven. I don't have a dog named Fido, but I used to have a dog named Fuzzy, uh, <laughs> and then Fuzzy ran away, and then I uh, I came to find out from my parents years later that Fuzzy didn't actually run away, but that they took him out into the, the country and just let him go and drove away. Uh, and I was like, <laughs> what in the world? My whole childhood was just wow. brought down upon me. Anyways, um, but then they, my mom reassured me that Fuzzy found a nice home in the country. She was maybe just making that up. But anyways, do all dogs really go to heaven? This idea of like, okay, I have people have pets and they love those pets and they, you know, they're just like part of their family in so many ways. I know one family that like their Christmas picture every year is just their two dogs, um, mm. and like there's no humans in the picture, and sure. it's like you know you know, they're two dogs. I don't remember their names, but they, they wish you a Merry Christmas, whatever. Uh, and so this, like people have a strong connection to their pets. And so like, do they go to, do pets go to heaven? And here's the answer that I can come up with. So humans and animals, uh, humans are animals, but humans as rational animals, rational creatures made in the image and likeness of God have souls that are different than the souls that animals, other animals have. Other animals certainly have souls, but they don't have rational souls. They don't have souls that are made in the image and likeness of God. Uh, and so what we like to do is when we have pets, we, we try to apply, uh, like we try to apply rational souls to our pets, uh, which for better, for worse, whatever. Uh, I think in heaven, there will be animals there, but I don't think that like your pet is going to be there. Um, so 
the book of Revelation talks about how when Jesus comes again, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, and so if there's a new earth, in some ways we could almost expect that there'll be a lot of similar things on that new earth that we have on this earth. There are animals on this earth. So in my mind, it's like we could expect that there would be animals in heaven. Uh, but maybe not in the same way that we associate with animals here on earth, right? So like on earth, we have animals that we say, I own this animal or this animal is part of my family. In in heaven, at least in my mind, so officially there's no official church teaching on this. So uh, this is simply what's, what's on my mind. Uh, but in my mind, it's like, yeah, there might be animals there, but I'm not going to say that I own that animal. I'm not going to say that I that this animal is part of my family because my only family in heaven is the members of the body of Christ. Uh, my family is the Trinity, you know? Uh, so do all dogs go really go to heaven? I think there will be dogs in heaven. Um, I'm not as convinced that like your dog or my dog will be in heaven. Um, which I know is hard for some people to hear, but at the same time, um, I think, I think it's going to be okay. Yeah. Know? Like yeah. It, it, for sure, if, if you and I make it to heaven, um, we're, we're going to be perfectly happy there. And mm -hmm. we're like, if we get to heaven and it turns out that Fido isn't there, it's not like we're going to be heartbroken or that we're going to be sad that he's not there. We're going to be perfectly happy. Mm -hmm. Uh, and for that matter, Fido, uh, is going to be as happy as an animal can possibly be, uh, whatever his state is, wherever, wherever that little soul is or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever, uh, which again is a different soul than the human soul. So that is, that is a very difficult thing for, for some people to hear, mm -hmm. I think, especially at kids, but I know a lot of people that are very attached to their adults that are very attached to their pets. And I just want to make it clear, you're, you're giving us your, your thoughts. Not right. There, that, and you specifically said there are no teachings from the church officially stating whether or not right. your dog will or will not go to heaven right we don't right. know right that's true we don't know and uh you know people's attachments to their animals for better for worse you know it's not necessarily like dogs they can provide some sense of companionship you know or, or some sense of comfort having something mm -hmm. something around that can respond to my voice and you know to me petting them and whatever mm -hmm. it may be um for better for worse again well let, let me just dovetail on that too is it okay for me to think that my dog will be in heaven is that wrong for me to think that not necessarily. Right. Um, I think, uh, I think, I mean, we need to be careful ultimately about proclaiming anything or anyone right. in heaven. Yeah. Right? St. Paul exactly. says, I don't even judge myself, right? That's something that's going to be revealed and that's, that's up for God's judgment. Mm -hmm. You know, the church can make public proclamations that saints are in heaven, you know, because of the signs that have been given by the Lord through their intercession, whatever. But as far as like, I mean, even, even my, you know, if my, if my grandfather dies, I'm not, in fact, at his funeral, I said he might not be in heaven yet. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if anything, I, he was probably prepared. He had received the sacraments. And so it's, it was likely that he was in purgatory, in fact, uh, being purified of, of any earthly attachments that he may have had. Um, and if, if he ends up in heaven, it's not for me to know when exactly that happens. I mean, the Lord might give me like a private revelation, I guess. But again, that's, that's for me and not for the whole church to just like, oh, no, right. you know, like right. this person is absolutely in heaven. So, so similar to apply that then to animals and say like, well, my dog is definitely in heaven. Like, okay, you're, you're, you're free to believe that. But I, I would just sort of caution be, it, be I guess. Be careful about a proclamation such yeah. as that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Have the hope, have the, you right. know, whatever it is that, 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 uh, that, that you're feeling, I guess. And, but, uh, let God make the decisions. Yeah, right. Yeah. Very good. All right. Yeah, I think it comes back to, you know, that trust. Like, mm -hmm. do I really trust that the Lord is going to give yeah. what I need mm -hmm. and what everyone needs? Like, is he really going to provide? Mm -hmm. um, so we can fall back on that over and over and over again. Very good. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? 
Great time. Beard balm to dogs in heaven. That's right. (laughs) I think if there are any questions left remaining in the Catholic Church, we'll probably catch them next time. Right. All right. (laughs) Thank you to all those who called in or wrote in with your questions. Remember, this segment is on at 930 Central every Monday through Friday. And up next, what is spiritual direction and how can it bring us deeper into the life of God? We'll hear more from Tamara Moore, a spiritual director at St. Philip Church. And later in the show, we'll be ready to hit the road for the 10-minute tour, broadcasting live from St. Philip's Church in Bemidji. I'm Deacon Dan Goshi. We have Father Brian Cuiava. You're listening to Real Presence Live. We all appreciate the comforting things in life. Great food, 